Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. We have with us today our dear friends all the way from Hawaii, Brian and Kathy Gray. They're going to be joining me in just a moment. Wanted to just say this morning that you can be listening on Facebook, on Rev Media, which is on our two internet websites, which is omegaradio.org and on nwmglobal.org. And of course, Blog Talk Radio which is where Brian and Kathy will be joining us. And we will be going through a revamping of our system. Hopefully by March 1st, we will have new voice technology, new uh, video, whatever, just so that we can have people come on and video and be heard on all the different platforms. And we'll see if we uh, get out of, um, well, we'll see what happens. Anyways, good morning. God bless you. It's a glorious day to be alive. Lots to talk about. I actually am looking forward to the interview today with Brian and Kathy because I know it's early in the morning for them, but I want to pick Brian's brain on 3.0 internet services that may be uh, coming about and 5G towers and the quick advancement of the 6G. 
Um, so I want to get into all of this with him. But first, let me introduce and say hello to them this morning. And Brian and Kathy just wrote a letter, a newsletter going out there, and I want to talk to them about that as well. So first of all, let me begin by saying good morning, God bless you, and welcome to the broadcast, Brian and Kathy. How are you? Good morning. We're doing great as always. Good morning. Oh, uh, are you guys doing it? You're kicking it pretty good? What's that? Um, I wanted you to talk just a little bit so I can make sure you're coming through loud and clear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, yeah, our volume is down a little bit here. Not sure why, but uh, I think we're doing really well. Beautiful, sunny weather. We're enjoying our last few weeks of Hawaii weather and... <laughs> We finally went to the beach after two months and and walked the beach and uh, so we're just gonna enjoy each day and and we're excited to move to Tennessee at the end of the month. So we bought our tickets and <clears throat> we're ready. All my bags are packed and I'm going <laughs> west. I don't know. You guys are going east actually. Well, I know. Uh, how are you feeling about everything? I know you just wrote a, a newsletter. I just picked it up today. And I didn't know you actually did that, where people that support you could have a newsletter. So we need to talk about that. Uh, it looked like a pretty extensive newsletter. What were you basically saying to everybody out there? Well, basically just explaining as best we could, you know, what the process that we've gone through over the last mainly two years since COVID hit, you know, and wrestling before God, not so much wrestling with God as wrestling before God and, uh, and um, yeah, just how we ended up, uh, how we led us to the point of um, of uh, making the decision to be obedient and go to Tennessee. So our whole time on the mission field, I think more than anything else, is, is God has clarified His voice to us, so that when we hear it and we confirm it between each other, it's um, there's just no question, there's just no space, no time to wonder. Well, is that really you, God, or is that God? It's like we're We've uh, been able to be always because he confirms the same message between the two of us. It's amazing. And, um, you know, we're just like, when we know we have to do something, we just know and we go and we follow through. So, and then, then later on, after, after we make the decision to be obedient, that's when he starts revealing the details and clarifying things and confirming things more and more. So, And that, you know, the, the journey, I'm reading a great book by T. Austin Sparks, and I read this back in the 1990s. I actually cut my teeth on the meat of T. Austin Sparks and his writing ministry. Uh, he was back in the 1930s and 40s. And uh, he, there's a book he wrote called Pioneers of the Heavenly Way. And there's no doubt that you and Kathy are pioneers, and you two have been pioneering the kingdom of God for quite some time, going through one experience to another transitioning from one place to another, going through all these different things. And here you are in uh, this prime of your life, getting ready to make another really big transition. And I did note that in the newsletter and this transition into the United States where you have not been in the United States for how long was it since you've been in the U S proper? Well, we, we visited twice in the course of, uh, of almost going on six years, but, but this would be our second time, yeah. So it's been three years since since I visited and two for Kathy. So it's going to be like coming to a brand-new mission field. Um, the United States is different. The environment is different. There's been change. And I wonder when you get here what it will be like. 
from where you were in Honduras. I know you say that, uh, you know, uh, Hawaii is a pretty difficult, very difficult environment uh, for people if they were wanted to be active anyways in the kingdom. Um, however, um, here you come. And here comes this great big move in your life. And any particular expectations other than you know that God is calling you into the continental United States of America? Any idea of what the move is? Um, well, I, I think I have a saying that I've had for a long time, and Kathy's adopted it too, and that's take the film out of the camera. Because any kind of picture that we come up with right now is it's we're going to be wrong anyways. <laughs> So, so, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't, we don't know for certain. I mean, I'm going to be working, doing what I've, you know, what I've always done, you know, kind of counseling youth. Um, because I was a, I was an adolescent substance abuse counselor in the middle school for 10 years. And then they made me the supervisor over the six schools on the entire island before we went on the mission field. And so I've always worked with, uh, with at-risk kids and cause I was an at-risk kid myself. And so I have a lot of experience there. And so I'm going to be working with 10 or 12 boys um, that I'm going to have to disciple. And the different, the only difference between what I was doing before and what I'll be doing now is that discipleship is the goal where it was the risk in uh, when I worked in a public school. And so beyond that, uh, we don't know because we know that our, there's an Iris base there and Iris ministries is the, they're the ones that we went to mission school with, with Heidi and Roland Baker. And, um, you know, they've got a base there, which is their unlikely bedfellows, the United Methodist Church and uh, and, uh, and a hyper charismatic ministry like like Iris. And um, so, yeah, we I don't know what to expect. We just know God's calling us there and he'll guide us. Then he'll guide us from step to step to step as, as he always have. We're a sheep and we hear his voice and if we obey it. We're blessed, and if we don't, we stumble. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise God. I know a lot of people are looking forward to both of your arrivals. I know in northwest Arkansas, people are saying, well, they are going to come here, right? I mean, they're right next door in Tennessee, and, uh, you know, we, we feel very confident that's going to happen at some point. And um, you're being very much prayed for, and you're very deeply appreciated and valued uh, at least by the listeners in this particular ministry, and I'm sure in other places, and you have a lot of background. But the one who's backing you, leading you, guiding you, directing you, Holy Spirit, into uh, what this moment is really all about. And it is exciting to know, to wonder, you know, Lord, what is this all about? What is, you know, all this transition? And thank God you're not stagnant. And thank God that you are moving onward. And uh, through all the different transitions in life, we come to these other moments where major transitions and this is a pretty big one for you guys and uh, we wish you the greatest of success and we know you will have it and we all are moving into a moment right now that I think is going to be absolutely beyond anything we've ever imagined and we're we're seeking to be prepared um, to actually be successfully transitioned and uh, that's what we're trusting the Lord in in everything so with that being said, you are our guest on the air today. Is there anything special of great value, something God's put in your heart to share with our listeners today before I get into my questions about some technological things that I've been hearing about lately that I'd love to hear your perspective on? Anything God's wanting to uh, share with us today? Well, you know, I was just very briefly, but I was just, just before we came on, on the air here, I was thinking about these the, the trucker convoys that have you know taken place in Canada and now there's a 
there's an American convoy that's scheduled to take off on March 4th and um, or start com- or coming together, I guess, in California on March 4th. And just thinking about um, we just need to, to, to keep them in prayer. You know, I, I, I don't I'm not one that believes that we're going to um, that we're going to solve any of our problems now. You know, it's it's too late for these natural solutions to things. But at the same time, you know, pe- these things need to play out so that people can see that, that Jesus is the only way. That there is no other hope, you know, and and, it, and that we all need to, as a nation and, and as a body, we need to repent. But in the meantime, people need to find these things out. And we need to like, and we need to lift up these, these uh, truckers in prayer because, you know, I have, I've God gave me a vision a long time ago about the differences between horses and donkeys. And the, and one of the differences is, is that when, when horses, a pack of horses are threatened, um, they turn and face each other and they kick outward towards the enemy. Donkeys, on the other hand, I read have a, they, their pattern is to, they turn and they face the, the, the threat and focus on the threat. And then they kick each other to death <laughs> from the inside. Wow. And when I, I'm watching, like I, I subscribed on telegram to a couple different channels. There's these, the trucker convoy channels. And, uh, and um, uh, so we have like the Canadians. And I, one thing that I've noticed about the Canadians is that they're very, very, very patient and level headed and full of self-control and no matter how hostile the situation is, they're, they're, they're super polite. And I saw this video of the police coming and taking their fuel and their food, you know, and, and they just were just asking the police, why are you doing this? And then this pastor came, emerged from the crowd, and, and he prayed for the police, the way Jesus prayed for, for his, his uh, persecutors and abusers on the cross. And it was just, it was really poignant. But then when I look at, you know, us in the United States, and we're just sort of like, we're a bunch of mavericks and renegades and just ready to go and storm the beach and do whatever it takes. And, and uh, we're, I think we have a, a shorter fuse as a culture than, than the Canadians do. And one of the reasons why the Canadian effort is, is um, might succeed or is having some effect is because they are so determined collectively to be peaceful and to be respectful and to, and to take the higher road, no matter what the situation is. And they're, they're having an effect, you know, on on their government and how it's going to turn out. I don't know, but, but in the United States, there's just this chance that like all it's going to take is just a small group. Like they did at January 6th to do something really, really stupid, a a couple of bullwinkles, you know, and the media is going to amplify that. And it's going to be, you know, turned into some kind of false flag attack or whatever, you know, and, and, and it, it'll, it'll be counterproductive. So we just need to just pray for these people that are doing this, that they would have, that they would be wise and that they would be more like horses, <laughs> not just wise as serpents and gentle as doves, but, but self-controlled and wise like horses in, in, when the enemy comes rather than donkeys. You know, I just noticed uh, in, a, in a little news clip yesterday, I forget where I was listening to it, but a very high-ranking Canadian official, governmental official, a woman, along with other people that were in their, their, their meeting, their, their, their political meetings, uh, she already said that what's going on up there, she said, this is so dangerous, this is an insurrection, this is a mob. You know, the whole language of January 6th is already being applied to them, and it sounds crazy, but eventually, if you say it long enough, 
that's how people are going to begin to view it. And so regardless of how peaceful they are, how, you know, uh, kind they are, uh, just the very fact that they're standing up is a uh, is subject now to this kind of reproach, this scandal, this uh, stigmatization against them. They are an insurrection. They are a mob. They are dangerous. Even Trudeau's coming out saying things like, uh, you know, the, the Ottawa uh, citizens, they shouldn't have these be, being harassed by these people. So eventually you have this rising up. It's going to be very interesting where it goes. Earlier uh, you were talking about, you know, it, things have to play out. And I was uh, reminded of King David when, um, you know, this Bathsheba incident and, and there was a pregnancy involved and um, he was fasting and he was doing all this stuff, you know, fighting, fighting, fighting until the day that he found out that his son died. Um, and uh, then he put his clothes on, he washed his face, sat down, said, let's see. In other words, he did everything he possibly could before the inevitable, before the reality settled in. There's nothing more you can do. Is that kind of a principle that should be played out right now uh, as we watch a tyrannical uh, government in the United States, particularly uh, rising up and making enemies with half the nation, demonizing people that uh, don't agree with them, knowing that they are very corrupt? Should people just sit back and do nothing, or should we take the initiative like David and do everything we possibly can uh, and leave the results to God? What are your thoughts? I think, I think we're in a time now where if, if we haven't learned how to hear what God, God's voice and be obedient to it individually, we're not going to be able to do it collectively. And so I don't know. I can't speak for what God is telling other people to do, and I'm not a prophet. It, it, based on my opinion, based on how I read scripture, based on how God has operated in my life and what I've seen, and, you know, and what I've heard from, from people like yourself, I, I, I think we're at a time where it's like we've done everything that can be done and the natural has been done. And, and the purpose of these things that we're going to see is like to show people that there is no natural solution to the problem that we have. It's like the only hope, the only hope that people have individually and collectively is, is to turn to God and repent. And, um, I don't think I don't think any of it's going to work, but that doesn't mean that God isn't leading people to do this for the pur- sole purpose of exposing that truth. He, yeah, He could be allowing it and leading it. He could lead people to do this, you know, so that they they uh, they come to this place. And you know, I can kind of like tie it into to what the, how I've grown personally go- growing on the mission field, and that is that. It's, God is paradoxical, you know, and, and his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And, and um, you know, when I first went on the mission field, and I wrote about this in, in our, it's, I call it a bloggish newsletter because it's more like a blog. But, but when I went on the mission field, I went on with the idea of basically, you know, improving the vapor. And the vapor is the James 414 vapor that James said, life, your life is but a vapor. And and I went in trying to improve the vapor and I had all these dreams of like impacting the world for God, doing things for God, fixing people's lives and making people's lives better and, and preaching the gospel for God. When in reality, God, you know, says in Isaiah 55 that, I, that God's word goes forth and it's going to accomplish the thing for which it, it, it was, uh, he, he meant it, you know, and that's right after he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And, and I've had to really, really realize that it's like 
the purpose, our first and primary purpose on this earth is to learn to abide in him because he's the vine where the branches. And if we don't abide in him apart from him, we can do absolutely nothing. And, you know, but then once you do abide in him, that he may lead you to do things and do like, and, and do amazing things through us. And if we're truly, truly aligned with the will of God and he wants to move a mountain, if we speak to the mountain, it will move. You know, but it's only it's only according to how well we are aligned with his will, because he's going to do what he's going to do. He wrote the script beginning in Genesis, and it's going to be completed in, as it's written in, in Revelation 21 and 22. And we get to participate in it or we can, you know, take the hard road and refuse. And that's that's all it comes down to. And so I think that that when I look at people trying really well-intentioned, really good-hearted people that are just like as good as a human being can be and willing to stand up for, for what they believe is right. And then allowing them to just work this thing out and wrestle with the situation before God, right? He may be doing it just to lead everybody to the same conclusion that I came to, because I realized in the end here that the only thing that we can really do is learn to abide in Christ. And And the only way we do that is by yearning for him. And the only way that we yearn for him is when we realize that there's absolutely nothing in ourselves and there's nothing in the world that suffices. He is the only thing that is going to bring the satisfaction that every one of us craves. Amen. And so if we were to take this conversation and kind of mark it, you know, just look at it and say through the biblical lens, what are we really looking at? You know, Mark chapter 13 We've read it a thousand times. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There shall be earthquakes and diverse places and famines and troubles, and these are the beginning of sorrows. So even if there was a massive convoy in the United States and all the truckers or a large portion of the truckers in this country, along with the veterans within this nation who have basically uh, gotten to that place of, you know, we're not just going to stand by idly anymore. We're going to take this convoy. We're going to move across the United States. We're going to Washington, D.C., and we're not leaving until change comes. And they took that attitude, and the people just kind of went with that. Um, All it would really do is lead to the ultimate conflict. It's just a higher level of conflict. And I remember coming into 2022, the the year of the rod, January, the year of the rod, the authority, the contending of authorities, and uh, how how God was saying this is a year that's going to be a contending of authorities. But what we look at in Scripture is nation against nation, even within a nation. You know, you have a divided nation, that this is playing itself out prophetically, but ultimately, isn't it clear that if we are that generation, which everything around us is screaming at us, that we are this generation that will actually witness the second coming of Christ if we're alive and remaining, because the great tribulation is at the door. And if this is all real, if this is true, and the Bible is showing itself to be true, then ultimately no nation fighting for the cause of morality or the cause of good is going to prevail because we have an antichrist coming to rule upon this earth, 
to and to depopulate this earth and to bring everything low so that nobody will be able to do anything for three and a half years. So if we're at that moment, doesn't it kind of hold that, yeah, okay, there may be some war, conflict, battle, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, wars, rumors of what's all happening, but to really only to bring us to that accelerated place in end time Bible prophecy of people getting ready to go through the greatest tribulation. Is that, is that kind of how we're looking at it? I, I, I think so. Yeah. And I think if I were to like, look at like, you know, Matt, you know, we got Mark 13, Matthew 24, it's uh and then Luke was it 21, I think. But anyways, it's, um, you know, nation against nation, nation shall rise against nation, you know, and it's like, it's important that not everybody knows that they're not, he's, that's not speaking of countries, that's kingdoms rising against kingdoms, but nations, the Greek word is ethnos, right? Where, where we get the word ethnicity. And it, but it also generally means people groups. So anywhere you see people organizing together in groups against other groups, you know, it's just sort of like, that's, that's what I see we're in. So the truckers, the veterans, the, you know, the LGBTQ, it's, it's, it's black lives matter, whoever it is, it's just people organizing themselves into groups and, and, you know, fighting other groups of people within, within kingdoms, you know? And so I, that's, that's, that would be, if I were to say, where are we at? I would say that's, that's about where we're at, which means that I believe the next step is then they will deliver you up to be killed. <laughs> yeah. So. You know, what was shocking to me, uh, Brian and Kathy is, I couldn't believe that scripture actually verified uh, the mandatory, um, you know, face masks and that the scriptures actually spoke about a generation that would uh, be bound to the wearing of masks uh, in their generation. And I'm reading out of the gospel of John chapter 11, when Lazarus came forth and it says, and he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And Patricia, while we were reading that this morning, she said, that's a face mask. And um, wow. so, you know, we're a Lazarus kind of generation, people rising from the dead, you know, trying to get things going. We've been so lethargic and uh, movements are happening all over the world and we know where it's going. It's the sieve of, Everything sifted into this moment, but uh, that was meant to be kind of humorous, by the way, but I didn't do a very good job on it. But anyways, there it is. And uh, what else? What else do we have? Well, I, I don't know. That might be more prophetic than humorous. When you went yeah, maybe. What I, as I uh, yeah, I mean, it's like when you think about it, it's like the fact that someone actually comes to believe. And I was talking about this with somebody in church the other day, someone who's just they're they're. A little, they're overly obsessed, in my opinion, with with signs and wonders, just chasing signs and wonders. And we love them dearly, but it, but uh, you know, I said, you know what? The biggest miracle that that we have that we see is that when someone actually hears the gospel and believes it. I mean, that is a miracle because if you read the story in the natural, it's like all my atheist friends are just like, oh, gosh, how can you believe a man dying on a tree is like this this solution to all that ails mankind and it's like i guess when i look at it the way i used to look at it when i was an atheist that was one of my arguments you know and the fact that i believe today and more than believe i know like with everything in me you know the only thing i can compare to is that i know that i love my wife and i can't prove it to you but i know that i know that i know and that's and i believe that and 
and and it's really that's really like a, a raising of a Lazarus from the dead. It's on that level when when somebody comes to believe the message of the gospel, you know. So, uh, I, yeah, I think there's more depth to what you just said than humor. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe that's the movement right now and uh, awakening of people, if it's even possible at this point. Um, all right. So we have uh, your thoughts concerning the movements, the convoys. Uh, it appears, going back to the Canadian convoy, that the global government, starting with Trudeau, uh, who's, uh, again, I think the grandson of Fidel Castro, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about that whole thing, but whoever he is, um, he is standing <clears throat> with the globalists, um, and he is calling for a resistance, an opposition, a shutting down of that convoy, and I wonder if they peacefully protested, and now the government says it's over, will they peacefully go away? And if they do, what did they achieve? Your thoughts? Um, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what they achieved. I don't know what it looks like if, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, the other thing that the Lord really impressed on me more than anything else lately with Matthew 24 is the very first thing that Jesus said, said, see that no one deceives you, you know, and we know that the, 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 the level of deception is going to be, be so intense that, you know, if the days weren't shortened, even the elect would be deceived. And so I, I, I don't know what that means if it looks like they succeed except that there there'll be something else coming. And I think there's other things in the works right now. You know, everybody's still focused on vaccine mandates and, and the truckers and we're the, you know, in terms of not the, not the mainstream news. Well, maybe the mainstream news, I don't watch much of it, but, but uh, you know, it's like, we've got all these other things that are happening in the world. You know, supposedly there's a, there's a hemorrhagic fever broken out in one province in uh in China, you know, and, and Bill Gates had been talking about weaponized smallpox and that we need to be careful of that. And uh, you've got what's going on in the Ukraine and Russia. And then you've got Iran is just like days, maybe hours away now from having, you know, nuclear weapons after now that they've lifted the sanctions and they've got a missile now that could hit. I saw just a headline says a missile, they could, they could fire a missile from Iran and hit Israel or U.S. bases in the region. Um, you just got all these other things that are kind of brewing and stirring, you know, and so, you know, historically world war is what they do when, when, when they're about to get exposed. When you look at like the old robber barons, the, which were the new world order. Now they're just really the, the old robber baron fa- families from the 19 early, early 19, 20th century. And, um, you know, when, when push comes to shove and, and they're about to get exposed and maybe prosecuted or something, they, they do a world war, you know? And so uh, it's, it's, we're headed for something else, whatever it is. I, I don't see, maybe the truckers get the mandate lifted. It's like, okay, great. <laughs> if, if, if I would say that it's probably just if they can, if the governments concede, it's because they just want to just relax. It's the serpents relaxing and waiting for us to relax. And then it'll clamp down harder with some other way. So because this is not yeah. a new, it's not a new plan. This is a, I mean, if you go into the history of it, this, they've been trying to do, they've done this periodically all throughout American history. And, you know, this recent plan was, you could really 
trace it back to Jekyll Island in 1913 at the formation of the Federal Reserve, you know. And uh, in my personal opinion, that's when the United States really gave up their its sovereignty. So, and then it's just been a progressive, uh, uh, you know, the the their plan has progressed incrementally over the the last great more than a century now. <clears throat> Very interesting. You know, as you were talking, I was just minded, look at the, you know, what time it is, because you're saying that uh, there are other things waiting uh, in the wings, so to speak, that are ready to come and manifest upon our earth that, uh, again, the majority of people are not even thinking about. Uh, we agree with that, that new mandates will come, new, new stuff is coming, legislative, control-based ideas and, and movements. And uh, I thought, well, they don't have much time. So right now we're in February 9th. That gives us 19 days left to the month of February. There's only 28 days. And then we have 31 days in March. That gives us uh, a total of 50 days. We're 50 days away to see what global world government is going to do and how things are going to work out in this country and around the world to see if a new shift will come about and uh, how they're going to play this out. So 50 days to uh, look at these things. Let's shift for just one moment. I want to ask you, um, I was having a meal the other night, and uh, the gentleman that came over and uh, was taking care of our our food at the table, a waiter, is starting a new technology business, and he went into this plethora of information about what's coming about in the 3.0 Internet of Things. Uh, this third generation, and he was going into depth on it. And I know you studied this out a little bit. And so can we just spend a few moments talking about uh, 3.0, perhaps, and I know the metaverse is connected to that, 5G towers, the sixth generation towers that are going to come rapidly. Can we just get into that a little bit and how that plays out in scripture so people could be aware of What's going on? Well, you know, again, the magician is showing everybody over here, but the real control, the real power, the digital currency, uh, the interaction of people's souls. Uh, I was told last night at a Bible study, and this may sound a little hardcore for someone, but a psychiatrist uh, went into the metaverse <clears throat> recently. True story, by the way. And while I was in there, he got gang raped. Like, well, how does that work? So, and I really don't want to know. I'm just saying that was the story of what's going on in this metaverse thing, how souls are literally being transported into this realm of things, and yet this is coming heavy duty. Can you speak into that just as much as you can? Yeah, I think just, you know, we talked about this before, but, uh, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 24 that uh, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, you know, and and speaking about kind of speaking about just the attitudes of people, the obliviousness to people, the fact that they're just kind of living, you know, everybody was like, you know, given in marriage and uh, just living the high life, eating and drinking. And the thoughts of man were evil. All the thoughts of man were evil all the time. That's usually what, what um, people focus on most when they're, when they're discussing that scripture, but it's in the context of Genesis six, right? And Genesis six is the story of the flood and, and the story of, the 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 benign Elohim, the the fallen angels, the sons of God, meaning that these were literally um, not they're not uh, biological human beings or anything like that, but they are angels, fallen angels, and they found the daughters of men attractive, and they came into them and they conceived the Nephilim, 
which were the giants or also the mighty men of renown, which some people have said are, you know, described in, in Greek mythology and Greek gods and things like that. But, but I think what's important is like when you, when you kind of distill it and say, okay, what was the precipitating sin that caused God to flood the earth? And in my interpretation is that it's the hybridization of his creation, the hybridization of mankind, which was created in his image. And, and um, when you look in Matthew 24, one of the signs of the time is as in the days of Noah. Well, what do we see today? We see the transhumanism movement, right? And, and that is, I think that is the root of uh, genetic engineering, maybe the vaccines. You know, a lot of people are, hypothesizing i don't know that we have the proof yet but people have made worthy hypotheses that this is you know this vaccine is going to have something to do with uh changing who we are biologically and possibly wiring us into into the uh the the web 3.0 that's coming the internet i don't know if that's true or not but i don't know it's not true so it's like i'm just going to keep an open mind and view it through the lens of scripture when I see other things happening, I, what I see is as in the days of Noah, we're, we're in those days. We have, we have people who have stated that they want to merge man with machine, that they want to create, you know, the Internet of Things is, is where you're tying your refrigerator and it'll tell you, you know, if you're running out of Coca-Cola or milk or eggs or whatever, that it's time for you to buy it. And, and so you've got the Internet of Things and smart driving cars and you know, improved technology and tracking on your phone and whatnot. But the Internet 3.0 is the Internet of people where they're planning to wire human beings into the Internet. And, and I'm kind of going really fast here, so stop me if I get too scattered. But, but um, you, yeah, know, you had Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk. Time. Elon Musk is when he, um, he developed the uh, – the Neuralink chip that was actually supposed to come out for public use in, in uh, 2020. And it's literally a chip that gets implanted in your brain. Part of it is external and it gets implanted in your brain with these tiny, tiny like um, electrodes that are smaller than a human hair. He was planning on having kiosks set up in malls, you know, where people could get them installed. And it was going to allow you to interface directly with your, your smartphone or any other technology. And now uh, 4G is not fast enough. It's not powerful enough to be able to handle that. And so that was going to be 5G. Now, the next step, which, you know, I guess they, they probably will if they're not ready or ready, but they'll, they'll try to just bypass it and move forward. Maybe they're just not even going to have 5G. It's going to be 6G, but it's called, um, it's called uh, 6Gen which is, you know, Genesis 6 in reverse. And I just can't imagine that that's, that's by accident. <laughs> no coincidence. <clears throat> right. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, think that, I think the thing to keep in mind is we don't, we don't know all the details, you know. And sometimes they'll feed us false information just because that way the people that, that will stand against this kind of thing look crazy. And when we look crazy, we get dismissed, you know, and people stop listening to us and they won't listen to our witness or anything else. And so I just kind of stick with what their stated intention is. And their stated intention 
can be found on, you can go on Global Futures 2045, which was the conference they had in 2012, where, where they're talking about literally transhumanism. And transhumanism, again, is genetic engineering and merging man with machine. And the end goal, the end game for these guys is to literally be able to download the human consciousness into a computer avatar, the metaverse, right? And basically just kind of dispose of the biological body because, you know, it's just, it's a dirty carbon producing thing and it's better for mother earth. And yeah, and it's just, it's absolutely, it's absolutely crazy, but you have some of the world's most powerful and wealthiest people on the planet who fully plan to do this. Their intention is to do this. And so, their intention and their plan and their ability and their power and ability to try it tells me that we're in the days of we are as in the days of Noah, you know, which tells me that we are closer to um, the days of the coming of the son of man, which is Jesus coming on the cloud in Matthew 29, 24, 29 and 31. <clears throat> so, Brian and Kathy, if you're a human being, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a lover of God and you, you are a true disciple, follower of Jesus Christ. And you're living in a world that is, you know, Babylon is building her final, you know, her final bricks to the empire to be completed, started back in the book of Genesis. God stopped that from coming about. We know that in the book of Revelation that Babylon comes to a time of heightened completion and that for three and a half years, there's a global one world government. You can't buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Um, You know, nobody, I'm looking at verse five of Revelation 13 There was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Power was given unto him to continue 42 months. That's three and a half years, 1260 days. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and then that dwell in heaven. It was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So if your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, slain from the foundation of the world, and you're living at this time because we know that there's not a pre-tribulational rapture to whisk us out of here, and if you're living at this time, and by the time we get to Revelation 13, biblically, it's like half the population of the planet has been wiped out through World War III, the trumpets, and et cetera, et cetera. So if you're alive and remaining at this time, how does one actually live, obviously by the power of the Holy Spirit, there is a wilderness, but how do you get people to start thinking that way when we get awed by the reality that, you know, this new technology, this robotic technological, you know, thing is coming and it's going to be, you know, digital based economy, every transaction is going to be noted and, you know, the world's going to get a lot smaller, a lot more control, big brother, the all seeing eye, it's all there. Uh, the Illuminati and all of these things. And now you're living on planet earth at this moment as a believer. And it's to endure to the end of that three and a half year period of time, as I understand it. Um, How does somebody really prepare themselves and equip themselves to do exactly that? Do they just whimsically move around and say, well, you know, I'm just going to kind of be going with the flow or is there some particular steps people need to be taking or making uh, for this moment? I mean, what do, what do people do? I was just thinking um, in the last few minutes that, you know, it starts in the individual's heart, you know, and it's abiding in Jesus. But if, 
if we as believers really, really believe at the time and season we are living in towards the end times, I mean, why would we be running around wasting our time trying to fight the government when God is trying to have us wake up and get us prepared to for the wilderness and to thrive in the wilderness and to become that spotless, you know, blameless bride. You know, there's things that he wants to do in us. And I, I just don't see how he could do it if we have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. We have to be either you're born again or you're not, you know. And um, I think, like I said before, it's like that paradigm shift, which is, you know, and it'll start in your prayer closet, like face-to-face with God. Like, is this really true? Are we really in this season? Is what Pastor Vince says and, you know, and what your word says, you know, as much as it's scary perhaps for a lot of us and, and uh, you know, and the other things is like, oh, this has been going on for ages, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, that discernment, are we in these times, the seasons? Do we really believe it? And I think if we really did, I think our actions would be different than having the hope in like, let's go to this protest. And, and, um, and I think God will give each and every single person their marching orders step by step, just like how he led us. It's, you know, that's just how it is. There's no other way, but intimacy with God, he will, he will tell all of us, you know, if we take the time to listen and to, um, and if we really trust him, in these times. So, okay, amen. Let, let me just uh, challenge that just a little bit, because I, I know that we have friends listening. People are wondering. Uh, there's a lot of different thinking going on out there. Let me uh, present different tact. What if, every, what if someone said, yeah, that sounds good, but if everybody took that tact and we all refused to do anything to resist the tyranny that is coming and just accepted that it's going to be, and what we're going to do is find a way to get out of the way, uh, get into our ark, get into the wilderness, and we're going to concentrate now on preparing for the inevitable. Uh, if everybody took that tack, there would be no further any resistance to the tyrannical governmental powers. Um, is that what is expected? Because I wasn't there during the Revolutionary War or World War I or World War II or any of the other wars. I wasn't there. But um, they claimed that if people had just sat down at those times and believers who were thinking maybe this is the, you know, the book of Revelation, um, if everybody gets out of the way and doesn't do anything, uh, then that evil prevails. When good men do nothing, evil prevails in the book of Proverbs. So what would you say to somebody that's thinking that way or questioning the, the tact of, uh, you know, don't get involved, get ready, get into the wilderness, which I completely agree with preparing, no doubt about it. Um, but what would you say to that if somebody thought that way? Well, I think that um, when I speak to everybody saying each individual needs to go into their own prayer closet and face-to-face and have and ask God, Holy Spirit, who what they should do and, you know, with the season we're living in, I think that not everybody's going to be obedient. And they're going to do what they feel they're going to do, you know, and maybe it won't be the hard thing to do. And also, like, if anybody can show me where in the New Testament that any of the disciples or believers went after the government, I, you know, 
I just, uh, is there an example in the New Testament where they stood up to the government? I mean, I know when Paul preached the gospel, you know, he got thrown out and went in prison for preaching it. And I understand that because that is biblical. But like to fight what they're trying to do, like a mask mandate, you know, I don't like it. And um, and I rebel. I don't wear it where, you know, but what do you think? Is there a place in the Bible that scriptural that shows us we should stand up to this stuff? Well, I think some people are listening out there, and I think this would be a wonderful time to open the telephone lines. And if somebody has a question or a comment uh, that they would like to take, because here's, here's how I view it. Uh, we're all sitting in this room together, and it's not the metaverse, but it's on the airwaves. And we're having a conversation about what is happening in the world in which we live. And most of us recognize that there's something different, something is wrong, uh, our nation has been divided. There's 80 million people that have been demonized as insurrectionists and, uh, you know, mobsters and evil and bad and uh, negative. And it's coming from all different sides. Uh, the 80 million people would basically say, that's not true. That didn't happen. We were just as peaceful as they were in Canada today, quite frankly, except for a few that went in and did what they did in different places. Okay. Um, and there's a big story around that as well. So if you're out there today and you have uh, an answer to what Kathy just asked, is there biblical scripture? Is there anything in the word of God that would compel a believer today looking through the biblical lens, knowing that the Antichrist is waiting in the wing, ready literally to make his appearing upon this earth, to literally fall down out of the heavens, out of that secret place and come and begin his, uh, his global control is there anything where this is a moment where Jesus would say to his disciples, take up your sword, get your weapons, and fight against this government? Um, you know, one of the things, and we'll wait for your call, by the way, 818-369-0326, and then press 1 on the dial pad. We'll bring you right into the conversation. Uh, Brian, Kathy, what do you think about um, the Feast of Dedication um, the Feast of Dedication is what we know as Hanukkah, the Feast of Lights, and it uh, commemorates the time when the Maccabees um, went into the temple and cleansed it from the Syrian abominations that were committed in it, and um, the miraculous lighting of the temple uh, where the, the lamps should have gone out, but they stayed on for seven or eight days. And uh, it was a miraculous time for them to go in and take care of business and clean up the temple and do what had to be done. And Jesus goes to the temple during the Feast of Dedication in the winter, and it's almost as though he's walking into the temple as the light of the world. He's going into a temple and commemorating what was done. Uh, the Maccabees were a, uh, like a modern-day militia that had fought against the blasphemy of uh, the Syrian epiphanies um, what are your thoughts about that? Does that play into anything? And again, we're waiting for anybody who has a, a contradiction or a different thought, a different tact of thinking about this moment. Uh, Brian, Kathy, and I are basically uh, here saying, well, it appears that the, the tribulation is coming. We need to be investing our time in preparing our hearts, our souls, our minds, and our physical bodies, getting out of the way, being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. So, um, what about the Maccabees? Let's go into that just a little bit. Well, you know, there have been 
there's been all kinds of uh, the, during the history of Israel. You know, you have the you have Simon Bar Koba and and uh, you know and the Zealots and everything else, and, and even even the, the disciples themselves. There's some question whether Peter was originally a Zealot, and and um, and the Zealots would be like the Uber Patriots of today that are just ready to fight and and, and want to overthrow the, the the Roman government and free Israel. And then one of the reasons why the disciples were so dejected is that Jesus went to the cross and was killed like a common criminal. And when they, at first, when they saw him be crucified, they just, they thought it was over. Like, wow, I was wrong. And it wasn't until after he was resurrected that, that they began to comprehend the things, fully comprehend the things that he'd been teaching them all along. So even though Jesus was speaking all these things, they still, they still didn't understand what he meant. And, you know, and I, I think, like, for me personally, I, I, can, I can really identify with someone who wants to stand up and fight. Because in my flesh, my human nature, you know, my, my sympathetic nervous system is, is not wired to freeze or run. My, my sympathetic nervous system is wired to fight, you know. And, and in the flesh, I was always the guy that someone would be picking on my friends, and I would be the one, the first one to jump in and defend them or whatever. And you know, I, you know, it, it's, um, I joined the Marine Corps to go at that time, you know, I, I was ready to go fight and kill, we call quote unquote ragheads, you know, and, you know, and I was just, uh, in my flesh, I'm just sort of like, if I really get into it and I listen to some of the arguments that then, yeah, I can see why someone would want to go do it. I can really identify with it. And then also, even when I was a little kid, it's like I grew up on like stories of, of John F. Kennedy in the PT-109 evading the Japanese, you know, after his PT boat was broken and he had a broken back and he swam away. And I'd, I'd go in the lake and I would pretend I was him or I'd pretend I was Daniel Boone or Davy Crockett or I was always fighting a war with my friends or myself in the backyard. And so, you know, I'm just wired to want to stand up and, and be patriotic and stand for my country. And, you know, but... But recently, you know, God has really caused me to repent because we have whatever God did with the United States. And we have the fact that, you know, the gospel went into the world largely because of the fact that the United States existed. And but but, you know, it's not it's just not the same to be standing based on the lure of 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 our nation's history as opposed to what the Bible actually says. And so when I read the Bible, what I see is I see that the, the old Testament is full of war, but it was got, you know, in the book of Joshua, especially, you know, it's, it's, but these were, these were God commanded conflicts. And, and, um, but when we get into the new Testament and we get in the new covenant, you know, people talk about the, a lot of guys love to use the example of Jesus told them to grab two swords when they went into the garden. But then you got to put it in context because what happened immediately after that, when they went into the garden and then the, the, the centurions came and Peter grabbed the sword and good old Peter the zealot, he went and he just chopped off Malchus's ear and, and Jesus rebuked Peter. He was always rebuking Peter because Peter always had it wrong. He's well-intentioned, but he always had it wrong. And so he cuts Malchus's ear off and, and Jesus you know, grabs Malchus's ear, puts it back on, heals him, and and uh, and then says, "He who lives by the sword dies by the sword." You know, meaning people are going to do that, and you know, you're going to choose that, and you're going to die by the sword. 
And even before that, you know, he, he's in two different places. I think it's, I think it's Matthew 16 and Mark eight, where, where he warns them one time, he warns them about the leaven of Herod and the Pharisees. And then another time he said, he warns them of the, of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, and Herod to me, marks just like the leaven of Herod is, is worldliness period. But then the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees is one, it was religious leaven, you know, because they were, they were religious denom, separate religious denominations, but they were also represented uh, separate, separate political parties. The Pharisees might be the Democrats and the Sadducees might be the uber conservative Republicans today. And, you know, he warned us about that. And, and, you know, when, when a lot of times, another example would be a lot of times people take uh you know, uh, I think it's Acts chapter five, where, where Peter says, you know, shall we obey man or shall we obey God? And the context of that is, is they're confronted by religious leaders, right? They're uh, uh, apostate members of the church, if that were it today. And they're saying, no, we're going to not obey you. We're going to obey God and we're going to preach the gospel, period. And, uh, but then when you look in, I think it's, I want to say it's, it's either first Peter two or second Peter, but, but uh, you know, it's where Peter says, says sim- something similar to Romans chapter 13, where it's obey the authorities, honor the King, you know, and Romans 13, you know, we kind of get into a little bit of a, a, like a debate sometimes that says that, you know, it's that only applies if the leadership is making rules and ordinances and whatnot and laws that are for our good. But if it's not good, if it's not God, then we stand against it. But when you take the same thing, what, what Peter talked about, it was under Nero. He said, honor the king under Nero and Nero false flagged and you know, did the false flag burn Rome, blamed it on the Christians. He was, he was burning Christians as candles in the streets and here's Peter. I mean, Christians are being radically, radically persecuted, worse than anything that we've got going on anywhere in the world today, even in places like in Iran and Afghanistan, um, that Peter's saying to respect the authorities, honor the king, because, you know, my take is because it's the witness that we have by, by going, you know, by, by approaching persecution the way Jesus approached persecution, which was to allow himself to be crucified, we have a much more powerful witness than if we stand up and fight and say, I'm right, you're wrong, boom. All right, very good. Well, praise the Lord. Let me take a call coming in right now. Let's see how this flows right now. Let's take this call, 858. This is going to be a goodie. This is Patricia Joy Xavier, who's birthday is tomorrow hello patricia joy good morning you when you hear talks about guns and weapons and bullets and war you always have something to share so speak (laughs) nice and loud and tell us what you're thinking patricia joy okay she must have got knocked off the line she's been trying to get in i'll try to get her in again something with her phone and babe if you're listening just come on down and take the microphone i'll turn it right over to you (laughs) and you won't even you won't even be on the camera so get on down here all right so let me see if i can grab her right here on this particular one all right so patricia are you there can you hear me yes can you hear me yeah keep it nice and loud and um, go ahead and speak into it. And if you get cut off, come on down, and I'll put you on the microphone nice and loud here, okay? But uh, what are you well, thinking? Well, I'm not in a position to do that right now, but I want to thank our guest, 
one more time for being on the air. They are exceptional. And I am praising God for both of you. And I'm in agreement with Kathy, by the way, because the word of, that has been given to me regarding the times we're in at this moment is in chapter 18 of Revelation. And a mighty angel comes forth in verse. He says, he cries mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen, and, and has become the habitation of devils. And I believe we have fallen. I don't think we're going to fall. I believe we have fallen. And I believe we have become the habitations of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean hateful bird. I believe it has already taken place. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and that is true to our media, movies, and all that we have implanted as of the last number of years. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and they have received of us. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacy. And that had taken place sometimes back. It is now being taken from us. And then I heard, I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, come out of her, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. And we have received of her plagues. COVID is one of them, and it's going on longer and stronger all over the world from here. But we have received more so than most of the nations. And so receive not a plague. Do we want to receive any more plagues? No, we must come out of her. We must move out from her. It is time, and the Lord is crying it out to his angels. And I believe Kathy said it correctly. And so, Kathy, I'm in agreement with you. Praise God. Amen. Well, that's no fair. You know, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Well, I was just um, thinking about Matthew 24, and when, uh, I think it's verse 7, where, you know, we're for nation shall rise against nation. And, yeah, like Brian was saying, that word, nation is definitely it could be a people group a troop a multitude of individuals and you know he says that this is going to play out there will be people that are going to rise against it and um and i think he's not saying that this is what we need to do but he's saying this is what's going to take place mm-hmm. and we will see that and i think that's part of it because let's see in um you know, for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. So there's a definite, distinct two different groups, the believers and, and the people that maybe are believers that are going to fight with the government, you know, and and then accuse us of not obeying the government and the kings. 
And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And, man, I see some of that playing out, but I think it has potential to get a lot worse than what we're seeing today. It's going to get worse. And I agree it's going to get worse. And I believe it has already begun with ethnic groups coming one against the other. It's so absolutely true, not only in this nation, but all over the world. It has begun. Come out of there, Mm -hmm. my people. That's the cry of God's heart. All right, very good. So uh, just a quick interjection right now to the thinking. And, Brian, I'll turn to you loose here. Just a sec, you go for it. Uh, to answer one of the questions that Kathy had asked, is there anywhere in the New Testament uh, where we find anybody going to war, the apostles equipping the churches to take up weapons to go to battle against the government? The answer is resolutely no. There is not one scripture in the New Testament after the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts where anything even hints at a physical war against the Roman Empire amongst believers. But we do have in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, this scripture, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, um, yet someone would say, well, just because the New Testament doesn't say anything about equipping Christians uh, for actual physical battle, It's a carryover of the entirety of the Old Testament. You have to have an army. You have to go to war. We would all be speaking Shinto or German if we didn't go to World War II and the people fight for us. Um, If we didn't go to war and, uh, you know, fight these battles in the revolution, we would have been under the dominion of the English crown, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's almost as though people are saying, well, that's just a no-brainer. You know, it's like the Bible in the New Testament doesn't say, you know, uh, something about something else, but it's just obvious you don't do that kind of thing. Um, your thoughts about that? How does that work? Um, because we've known nothing but war since uh, Adam and Mrs. Adam fell out of the garden. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we have to come to terms with the fact that that war is the fruit of fallen man, and you know. The, there's a difference between fighting a defensive war, self-defense, I think. This is, this is, this is my opinion, you know, and I could be wrong, but, but it's like if, if someone comes through the door of my house to attack my wife, I am going to stop them. And I'm not the kind of person that's going to ever act, react violently unless I'm all in. And so it's like if, if, if you push me to the point of physical violence, I'm not going to be just trying to disable you. I'm going to be trying to take you out completely. That's that, that will be my goal. Otherwise I'm not going to respond. And so it's an absolute last ditch effort, you know? And when I say that it's with the idea that, you know, there's a possibility that even that could be wrong because there's nothing specific. Jesus is very specific about the things that we are to do. And, the fact that he wasn't necessarily clear about certain things or the Bible isn't necessarily clear about certain things. It's not logical really to assume that, that there are things that we're supposed to do other than that. Maybe we are, maybe we're not, but it's a pretty slippery slope to to draw that conclusion. 
But that's self-defense, right? And I think it could be argued that we have a right to self-defense. And if our nation is invaded by a foreign enemy, then we have the right to to self-defense. But now we're talking about going and, and the wars that we've had in the 20th century, most of them we've prosecuted, we've attacked, you know, and, and when you really, really look into the history of at least the Second World War, we weren't in it until Pearl Harbor. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot of history that points to the fact that we, they actually um, incited Pearl Harbor and, and allowed it to take place just so that we could enter, you know, the American public opinion would support uh, going to war. Now, you talk about the Revolutionary War and, and the history behind that, and you say, well, if we hadn't fought that, we would be something different today. My answer to that is, how do you know? How do you know what God would have done if we had actually stood down and actually just completely abided by what the Word of God says? You know, maybe, I don't know, you know. But again, that's another that's another slippery slope, which is which is a logical fallacy. When we draw these conclusions, you know, based on the absence of evidence rather than what the Bible clearly says, and I and I think that it's going to be, um, you know, I, I I think this is going to be an issue that causes many to be offended and brother to deliver up brother. Honestly, you know, when we when we, I, I believe that because I'm not going to go fight, I'm not going to pick up a weapon and, and attack people. And I pray to God that I'm never put in a position where I, I, I lose control of myself, lose self-control and actually take another human life. Um, and, and that's something that I, that I keep in prayer. But um, I'm not going to sit down and, and get with a group of men and calculate and plan to attack an enemy to achieve an end that I consider to be right. Because at the end of the day, you know, Isaiah said in chapter 64 that our, our righteousness, our mo- all our righteous deeds, right, which includes our most righteous decisions and judgments about right and wrong are like filthy rags. And then Paul quoted it again in, in Romans chapter 3. It's we're not going to fix anything. And we're either headed for, we're headed for a, 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 a Revelations 21 and 22 or we're headed to create just another hell on earth. And I don't, I just, I don't see it. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is like Kathy said, you've got to get into your secret place and you've got to hear from God and you better make sure, you know, that, that you hear from God, you know, maybe Kathy will speak more into this, but we were walking on the beach yesterday and, and she's been really kind of meditating on the, this idea of birthing and the process of birthing, um, and in the times that we're in, you know, and she just said, you know, okay, when you're in the third trimester, what do you do? Right. And, and you, sh- and you have to have prepared by the third trimester when, when the, when the baby's getting ready to come and it, the third trimester is not the time to suddenly learn about all the things that you're doing and, and find out all the healthy things to do. Because if you haven't started, if you haven't been healthy, had a healthy diet, exercised, you know, all the things that women are told to do by doctors, you know, to, to, to bring forth a healthy baby, if you haven't done it by the third trimester, the third trimester is too late. Talking about the fact that we're at the very least, we think we're in the third trimester here and, and, we're a little bit late to be coming to terms with these things and making the decisions. Maybe not completely too late, but 
we need to resolve this in our minds now. Well, what is the will of God for the body of Christ and for us individually at this time? Amen. Amen. All right, let me just make sure, Patricia Joy, is there anything you wanted to comment on that further of what you're hearing? Yes, I would love to, because this is my heart. This is exactly what the Lord has given and shown me through all the devastation we have been watching and become a part of through the COVID. And uh, it is going to continue. There's no doubt about it. But there is another scripture in Isaiah 27 that I love. And it speaks in this manner. Go home, my people, and lock your doors. Hide yourself for a little while until the Lord's anger has passed. Look, the Lord is coming from heaven to punish the people of the earth for their sins. will no longer hide those who have been killed. They will be brought out for all to see. I believe that time is coming at hand. I believe it's getting closer to the reality of where we're at. I, I read that from the living, and I know many people will say, well, that's paraphrase. Don't go there. But I'd like to also read it from the King James Version. And it speaks in this manner. Come, my people, enter thou into thy, thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her sin. I believe we're entering into that moment of time. I think it's going to happen quickly, and we have just so many years to get it right within our own hearts and minds. But we start by withdrawing, not going into the abominations that are going on. That's my belief. All right. Very, very good. It's a great thought. So I want to challenge it this way. And again, I'm not uh, a, a devil's advocate ever. I'm not. And I'm just uh, I'm, I know both sides of this story. And it, it's it's a good thing that we're having this conversation. But, um, you know, we talk about gun control, gun rights in America. We've had some of the most beautiful, humble uh, women who have been through Nazi Germany concentration camps like Corrie ten Boon, others who were in Austria that came out that were, uh, that were political and governmental, begging the people of the United States of America not to give up their guns. Um, and it wasn't so they could go hunting and get their food. It was so that they could defend themselves against enemies abroad and domestic. Quite frankly, we the people of the United States. So we have these beautiful Christian people that went through an experience with a Nazi Germany that did the things they did because the people of Austria and Germany had been stripped of their ability to defend themselves. So how do we as Americans, especially if we're having this conversation and anybody that's having this conversation that owns a weapon, why would you even you know, own a weapon? Why not call for the vanquishing and the banishment of uh, personal gun ownership? Uh, why not give it up? Because quite frankly, you could tell yourself, well, I'm going to go deer hunting. But again, if that is in your house and something does come upon you and you are ready to defend your home and your family uh, with a weapon, 
how does that actually congeal? How does that actually work with, you know, the, the you know, resist not evil? You know, you know, if there's no resistance to any evil, which Jesus actually did say, then why own anything that would defend yourself? Can anybody speak into that? I would say to that that I'm definitely pro-Second Amendment. Um, and I think the, the, the reason most of the gun owners that I know that are pro-Second Amendment, the purpose of having a gun, the ultimate purpose for having a gun in your home and people knowing that you are armed or even like, you know, open carries and things like that are as a security measure to an insurance that you don't ever have to use anything like that. Right. And so it's like, if you go into States that have open carries, they have a lower rate of crime than, than States like places like Chicago that have, you know, some of the strictest gun laws in the nation that have the highest rates of shootings and murders and crime. So, you know, that's, I would say that is the argument, the pro second amendment argument. And most of the gun owners I know would agree with me because the responsible gun owners, the last thing that they want to ever do is have to put a bullet in another human being. But the fact that they have the ability to do so and people know it is what is going to keep them safe. So we definitely should not give up our guns, but it's because they're a deterrent, not because, you know, because there'll be guns. They're not going to get rid of guns. There are so many guns in this nation that, that even if we have laws against them, you know, people are going to have guns. And, you know, and then then I think if you get rid of the Second Amendment, then I think you're guaranteed guaranteed that we'll have a, have a civil war. And the only reason that we don't have one right now is because we have guns. And, and then on the other hand too, also, I, I think it was, it was, I don't know if it was the Japanese or the Chinese. I think maybe it was the Japanese during world war two. One of the Japanese commanders or admirals said that the reason why we can't invade the United States is because there's a gun in every household. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so with that said, I want to uh, interject. A friend of mine just uh, sent me a text message, and this should be uh, very uh, good news for a lot of people. Uh, this is from Charlie Kirk. Most people have heard of Charlie Kirk. He writes, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Quebec, and Prince Edward Island announced Tuesday, which was yesterday, plans to lift COVID-19 restrictions saying it will increasingly be up to citizens to assess the risk they face from the virus. That was by the Canadian press. The truckers are winning, is what Charlie Kirk is saying. So they're going to lift COVID-19 restrictions and leave it to the citizens uh, to make the decision of what they're going to do. And that's exactly what that whole convoy is about. So we're talking about Alberta, Saskatchewan, Quebec, and Prince Edward Island announcing this yesterday. So that's really good news. And it shows, I guess, at the moment, at least it looks like that peaceful convoy, that peaceful protest is prevailing in certain parts. We'll see where it goes from here, but it does look like a good thing. Your thoughts. And let me just make sure one more thing here, Patricia, have you, uh, have you said everything you wanted to say or did you have some other thoughts you'd like to share? I would like to share one other thing regarding the sword of the spirit. Uh, and, and Paul refers to the sword of the Spirit in Holy Scripture, that it is the word of God from the Holy Spirit, and, and it will do spiritual battle with satanic and evil forces of this world. 
And I don't believe we believe this enough as truism. We need to know how to handle the word properly. Only then will we be able to effectively defend ourselves against evil, I believe. Mm -hmm. But I know we're going into another level of faith here. Mm -hmm. But it will also be an offensive weapon we use to demolish strongholds and errors. And if we would take that stance and believe in the word of God and use the sword of the spirit as our weapon of warfare, as soldiers of the living God, I think we would have gotten a lot further than we had in the church. But of course, that because we are first being brought to understanding in a different way, we had to be pressed in to learn these things. Jesus Christ used the sword of the spirit. He took away the sword that was cutting off the ear of the soldier. And he always spoke by the word of God, his father. And I think as soldiers of God, we could have done a lot better than we have. We would utilize that word. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I agree. It's And, you know, that Second Corinthians 10 there, 10, it's that, you know, we're, we are to be able to tear down every argument, you know, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And if we don't mm-hmm. know... And that's, and, and that's really, that, that's apologetics, you know, and we need to understand, like I talked about last week from second, first Peter three fifteen, you know, it's always be ready to give a, a reason, an apologia, an argument for the hope that's within you, always with gentleness and respect. And too often, you, you know, in the body of Christ now, like what Patricia just said, it's like, we have not done, we have not done a good job. And that is the average believer that I encounter anyways, does not have a knowledge of the word. They don't have the ability to tear down the, the arguments that they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And that's why we have such inane arguments against like evolution and, uh, you know, and, and, and new atheism and things like that, that, that have just gained such a foothold in our nation, in our world, you know, and it's because Christians have not wielded the sword of the spirit we have not wielded the word of god you know and we need to know it we need to understand it and we need to be able to rebut arguments with it and tear them down because they're fake they're false so sometimes amen sometimes i think that conversations like we're having and you know i would have to take full responsibility for it uh sometimes these conversations seem to be so carnal carnal conversations about guns war fighting uh, there's a place in the spirit, in the kingdom of God, when we're walking in the spirit, that we're elevated to see things spiritually. And uh, Paul had no problem calling himself a spiritual man. He said, there's a natural man, a spiritual man. We choose to be spiritual men and women of faith. And so we want to peer into the eyes of our faith open, the eyes of our understanding, our insight, being able to look beyond what our natural eyes see into more spiritual things, deeper things. And yet, The word of God in the New Testament from the master himself, Yeshua, is telling us, you know, get ready, flee, go to the mountains. So there's a very natural, realistic reality about being alive on planet Earth when all these things are happening that one must pay attention to. So it's all about a balance and coming to a place of balance 
you know, how am I going to live my life? What am I to do? I like the idea of entering into an ark. I like going into a Goshen. I like entering into my chamber, shutting the door. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be in the mix of it. I want to be at peace with God. I want to be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing right now with the right people. So what is that? What does that mean to me? Where does that bring me to? I want to talk about the things of the spirit. I want to talk about supernatural protection. I want to talk about the blood of Jesus. I want to talk about healing, divine health, supernatural miracles. I want to walk and taste the power of God. To me, that's awesome. There is this other side. So I don't think it's fruitless or vain to have the conversation. You know, the Internet of Things, 3.0, 5G towers, 6G towers, you know, the coming revolution, the civil war that's brewing. You know, these things are going to happen um, biblically. So I hope that we're not perceived as having a vain conversation and going over the same territory too much again about this issue. Um, it's just finding for yourself, the individual you know, what is my, uh, what am I hearing the Holy Spirit say to me at a time such as this, where we see the invasive encroachment of the powers of darkness in the natural world, making their move to come again, bring persecution and, and, and demonization and dehumanization against believers today. Where, how do I want to, um, you know, approach that? How do, how do I respond to what I know is coming and what I've been told is coming, what I see coming. Um, and this is the reason why we're having this conversation. We've got just a few minutes, maybe six minutes left. Brian, Kathy, Patricia, whoever would like to, you know, speak into that or you share whatever God has put into your heart at this moment. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I see what you're saying about like, well, it sounds like it's almost like we're t speaking carnally, but you know, we're talking about the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, right? That we, we, you know, we war not against flesh and blood in Ephesians chapter six, you know, but, but the fact of the matter is, is the context of where we've got to walk this out is very much in the world. And, you know, Paul, you know, Paul began by, by persecuting Christians and having Stephen stoned. And, and then, then he had his, his, his uh, eye opening, uh, well, his eye closing experience in the road to Damascus. But, um, you know, but then Paul was in the flesh, still the same man, you know, he was a different person in the spirit after that, when his eyes were open, but, um, he still had to deal with, with the fact that he faced conflict, you know, and I think it was, uh, it's either Acts 14 or 17 where he's in, in, in Lystra, you know, and they the, the Jews have been pursuing him and, you know, he, they finally stoned him and they, they dragged his body out into the, out into the street outside the, the, the gates of the city. And, the the, uh, the disciples were mourning over him because they thought he was dead, you know, and he wakes up and brushes himself off and walks back into the city and, and, goes back to preaching the gospel doing the same thing again and so it's it, it's nice to kind of like want to just be safe but and and kind of walk the way i perceive philip in acts chapter eight just kind of being guided moment to moment to the ethiopian and then being transported and but the reality is is like we have to live in a world where it's becoming increasingly hostile to christians and we need to talk about, we need to view the, the world through the lens of scripture and ask these questions. How should I respond? How will I respond? How will I have the strength to respond according to God's will, not my own fleshly will? And it's really hard to have these conversations without, without you know, looking, looking at the muck. 
And then finally, there's there's Revelations 12:11, which more often than not people misquote, and they just say we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Period. And they omit the part that says, and they love not their lives unto death. And so I think a really important question that we that we need to ask ourselves is, do I want God's will for my life, which could possibly mean my beheading, my being martyred, you know, that could be his will for me. I don't know if it is or not, you know, or do I want to be go into a Goshen just because I'm scared and I want to be safe and I love my life and I want to save it because Jesus is really clear. Those who want to save their lives will lose it. Those who lose their lives for me will save it, you know? And so we need to wrestle with these hard realities of like, okay, I would really like to be in a Goshen. I would really like to be preserved when the angel of death passes by and, and, if, and you know, 100 fall on one side and 10,000 fall on the other, uh, you know. But if it's God's will and God's plan is for me to be beheaded, well, so be it. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, because then it says in Revelations and I'm going to rule with him here from Jerusalem on earth. So. <clears throat> Oh, okay. That, I, uh, I, my final thought, and then I, I, I lose this, but it goes back to something that Patricia had just said a little bit ago, and Kathy, and Brian, that the reason why we're in, you see, the thing that burns me is that, and, and I mean that in a, not in a bad way, but the thing that gets me is that with the mighty power of the kingdom of God that the church has access to, the ecclesia has access to, the believer has access, there's no reason why we should have allowed the demonic principalities and powers that have such power over the earth, number one. Uh, the kingdom of God is much more powerful, but it's because we have mainline denominations capitulating to the homosexual agenda. We've sided with the abortion that women go ahead and have a right and shed innocent blood. The church is really responsible for caving in to the deception uh, for whatever reason that has brought us to this place of being ruled over and against and having a force in this. Anybody, a final word before we go? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, we are, we are responsible. If anybody is, is to be held responsible for the condition that our societies are in, our nation, our, our kingdoms and nations are in, it, it is the church. And that's why judgment comes first to the house of God. And, and I think the first thing that we need to realize is that the very first thing that we as believers need to do is we need to look inward and repent, repent for the, for the things that we have, the ways that we have failed God, you know, not just the blatant sins that people just continue to wrestle with like pornography and, and alcoholism and all these, all these things that keep us on a diet of milk every time we go to church, but, but really the deeper things that we need to repent of. And we need to stop acting like donkeys. You know, we need to stop, you know, looking outward at everything else and pointing the finger at everything that's wrong with the world and everybody else. And how are we going to fix that? Meanwhile, you know, we kick each other to death, you know, and so that, that's, that's my take on that. And I think we, the church wants the approval of man, you know, to be popular. And uh, if you don't have the fear of God, you'll fear everything else Mm -hmm. and have the fear of man. And I think Ephesians six really um, speaks to me during this conversation, you know, and he talked, God talked, Paul tells us about the armor of God. So there is a war and he's telling this is our armor and it's spiritual armor. It's the complete armor. But in verse 16, he says, above all, taking the shield of faith. So 
our faith is a is definitely foundational to everything else that follows. If we don't have faith when we hold that sword or we have that breastplate of righteousness or if we don't know our salvation that protects our brain and our head and our thoughts, you know, we're going to be in trouble. So above all, taking up that shield of faith is really, really important. Amen. Excellent word. Patricia, anything else on your heart? We've got to go. Yes, I would like to lead with a scripture in Revelation 310. You know how much I love this scripture. Though I am willing to do whatever God's will is asking of me, but this is such an incredible scripture that I very seldom hear being spoken of, but it speaks in this manner, uh, Revelation 3.10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, in other words, endure. That word patience in the Greek is endurance. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. And then it continues in, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Amen. 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 What a beautiful way to go out. Brian and Kathy, God bless you both. And uh, I concur with Patricia. You guys are absolutely wonderful and we love you appreciate your spending time as early as you did you get up on these wednesday mornings to be with us and uh share your thoughts and thank you for doing it thank you for being so bold to speak what you believe is right by the word of god and i think if everybody does that and we do this in love we're going to find some answers because i'll tell you what we need answers and every individual listening needs answers for their life real biblical God answers that they can follow so that regardless of what may come, they're going to have eternal life with the master and not do anything to forfeit that great blessing. Some people say you can't do anything. I disagree. I think we need to tread very carefully. And um, I think it's important that we have these discussions. So guys, thank you so much. Patricia Joy, thank you. And God bless everybody. And we'll see you soon. We love you. Pleasure. God bless you guys. Yep, bless you guys. All right. God bless you too. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.